Right, hello. Hey. Hel- hello. Welcome to The Nod, a mindful motorcycle podcast. I'm Ben Bowers and I'm joined by my illustrious co-hosts, adventurer Charlie Borman. Hello. And custom bike builder, Anthony Partridge. That, that'd be me. I don't want a pickle Just want to ride on my motorcycle Between us, we have more than enough stories of adventure and adversity to fill the whole season. And whilst we'll be diving into these, we'll also be joined by guests from the wide world of biking and beyond to explore their passions two wheels and their experiences on and off bikes. As we venture through the rich world of bike culture and subculture, we'll delve into themes of well-being and mental health as we look to normalise and empower conversations and action around mental health. So that's the plan. In this episode, it's just going to be us as a bit of an introduction. We can learn a little bit about why we all ride, the positive impact it has on us, and how it has both caused adversity and maybe also supported us through tough times. Boys, how's winter impacting our riding? Oh, well, there hasn't been much riding, really. I've got this brand new beautiful motorcycle. I have had a Thruxton that I just wasn't really using. Because now I'm an old man, you know, that, that hunched over position is it's not Calf so racing is not your day. thing. It's not my thing. Never really has been. Anyway, so they did a great job. But I, I, every time I go out on it, it's pissing me with rain. And then just the weekend gone by... My clutch, I realised, is yeah. not working, which it's only done 900 miles, that bike, so I don't so know. So that's a great advertisement. So who, who yeah. built the bike again? Uh, it? it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We did all go for a little ride together through central London down to the MCN live motorcycle show. And I kidnapped your key for your Ducati. And he, yeah, um, you stole for a my week. Ducati key and that rode off with it. <laughs> he, left his, he left his laptop at your house and walked away. And that is a cardinal sin, that is. What? Is, is stealing a man or a person's motorcycle key. He bought the bike new. He has you two keys. You should have had a second key. He does have well, two keys. Well, I, I don't have, do two have two keys. keys. I've does. got the red key. There's a master key, but there's no where to put the key in the ignition. So there's a pin code. So actually... I could still start the bike on the pink. So code. you don't get two keys with a Ducati. Brand no, well you, you do. Ducati. You get a you get a, a digital key. You know those fob thing that electronically mm-hmm. opens the bike up. How many fobs you get with your Harley? Two. Yeah, my CCM has two. But I just want you all to know that I've just bought a a Jeep Wrangler, and I'm living my Daisy Duke dream at the moment. I was I was hoping you were going to show well, shorts. I'm not going to stand up because I'm wearing them at the moment. So, <laughs> And I've insured my legs for a million dollars. It's kind of fun having just moved to the countryside. It's kind of fun. Um, and, and I live down in the Surrey Hills, which is one of the best places in southern Britain for downhill mountain biking and uh, trail riding. It took me quite a while to convince my wife to leave London. And I now have, for the first time in my life, I have a garage. And um, that's the most exciting. Yeah. That is the most exciting thing. And, and I've got all the, my bikes there and I've got, I've got a little, little workshop. It still needs a lot of work. It's still a bit of a mess. I was in it last week. It needs a lot of work. Yeah. Charlie. All right. But I did get my rims painted black. Yes, you did. Yeah. Oh, well done. Does it it look a lot better? It looks much, much better. Yeah. I haven't seen it. It looks nice. It's outside. It's been a very busy winter. I have to say. I have, I have, I have not ridden. I've I've actually sworn my my the only bike I had road legal, um, road worthy, road worthy. Because <laughs> you um, built all of them. 
Yeah, yeah built yeah. all of them. Yeah. They're not all necessarily. No, they're all good. They all they all run. Charlie Borman, father to two girls mm. that he knows about. Dune and Kimvara, and husband to the unbelievably patient Olivia. Punching. That's fair to say. It's true. Just secure the invite for dinner next time. Charlie's an actor, presenter, author, and adventurer, well known within the biking world. Son of Sir John Borman, recently knighted film director. Must be very proud about that. Super. Yeah, it's very cool. Charlie made an early acting debut in Deliverance as the pig. I wasn't the banjo player. <laughs> the, the, so you know. <laughs> the banjo player. I wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah no. no we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, he made an international name for himself alongside his good friend Ewan McGregor on the Long Way Round TV documentary. And since then, he has not only gone on to complete two more Long Ways, but has featured in numerous adventure travel shows, including By Any Means, Race to Dakar, Right to the Edge, World's Most Dangerous Roads, Extreme Frontiers, and Charlie Borman's USA Adventure. A successfully published author, Charlie has penned seven books, including his 2017 autobiography, Long Way Back. All this despite having dyslexia. Mm-hmm. The books here? We've... Some of them, yeah. They are ghostwritten. Uh, yeah, of, yeah course. of course they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm completely dyslexic. It uh, took me three months to remember how to spell Olivia, my wife's name. It's not all been plain sailing for Charlie. However, he lost his sister, Telsha, at, uh, in 97, age 37. Not the facts right there. Beat testicular cancer himself in his 40s and has recovered from two near-fatal motorcycle crashes in the last eight years. Despite all this, Charlie's bounce-back ability, quite like that one, it describes you pretty well, bounce back ability, like a I think. Basketball player. He's bouncing yeah. less, I see, though. Uh, is, uh, <laughs> it's less bouncing these is, days. Yeah, but yeah, he doesn't bounce as much as he used to. More snappy. Like, like, more, I'm, more, yeah. I'm more thud. I think, I think the older you get, <laughs> you know, when I used to crash on bikes, I, I, I used, to, used, to, used to hit the ground like that. I used to go... Yeah. And then, and then now I just go... Now you're like Rice Krispies. And that's it. And then everything breaks. Just crumples. Well, the last line, but didn't quite get to there. Yeah, his bounce back ability is remarkable and continues to inspire. So I said some nice things about you. did say you some nice things, Because, yeah. well, I, I believe them. Oh, that's so, kind of you. Hope you say nice things about me. Well, I, yours is, uh, yours I, is I a lot a, shorter I got, than I got, mine. I got a feeling there's not going to be very nice <laughs> well, things said well, about me. Uh, most of the stuff I've got of you was off Wikipedia, so it's probably not true. Uh, My net worth is, is not a million not, pounds. It's not a million it's pounds. Not, it's no, not. I know, but that's not what the internet tells me. Anthony Susan Partridge. I have made that bit up. That's, not... that's my mum's name now. Oh, it's... Good guess. Oh. It's good. Uh, hello, Anthony's mum, Susan. According to Google, Ant is an actor... It's oh. true. It says you're an actor. I am. I am. Uh, he was born in 1886, is five foot seven, has green eyes, brown hair, and has a net worth of $1 million. All we know is his business card has one word on it, which we won't repeat. Begins with a C. Uh, <laughs> your business card was made up by your, by your missus, wasn't it? She came up with that word and that card for you. Says quite a lot, to, really. To repetitive use. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that card gets me a lot of business. I'm sure it does. Yeah. He is a world renowned custom motorcycle builder. Again, none of this is true. Host of hit Discovery TV series Goblin Works, half Canadian, half British, 
Ant has a daughter, Maddie, arguably more talented in fabrication than her dad, and two dogs he lives with alongside his girlfriend and co-presenter, Helen Stanley. <laughs> He's had his fair share of challenges in life, both personally and professionally, and is never far away from the next drama. Ant is to drama what shit is to flies. Charlie. Yeah. Let's get into biking. Yep. Now, we'll, we'll try and cover off some stuff that people haven't heard. Embarrassingly, I've just started watching Long Way Round. Oh, yeah. Because I just love spending time with you, virtually or otherwise. Well, you've only just uh, watched Long Way Up. That's though. true. I have only I mean, just watched you know, Long Way Up. You've it forced me, me to come onto this show and and um, and still haven't seen... I thought I'd better do some research. Well, you've seen it Long Way Round. That's all you've seen. <laughs> yeah, but I watched... No, I watched Long Way Down as well. I've, I've, I've watched them all first time. Do you like my performance at the end? It was fantastic. Uh, my father, actually, he said, he said to me, Charlie, if you sit on that sofa with that bloke... I'll give you a tricycle. <laughs> I mean, nowadays that's totally inappropriate now. But um, yeah, you uh, have to declare earnings and stuff. You have to now. declare yeah, earnings. Yeah, and, and my father's mantra was whenever he was making movies, he made a whole ton of movies. And his mantra was always, you know, and when a kid came up in the script, he, he would go, no, 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 don't pay for one. I've got one. four children <laughs> who are free. <laughs> Amazing. And so that was that. So that tricycle, was that your first, yeah, your first I wheels? So. I suppose so. People often ask me, how did you get into bikes and stuff? I mean, my father was obsessed by horse riding. And, and when we lived in Ireland, we lived in the middle of nowhere in Ireland, up in the Wicklow Mountains. And so, you know, horse riding, Dad had, scary. And horses, yeah, we had horses. So I used to ride, I used to ride a lot. And then Tommy Rochard, this friend up the road, he had a Mako 400, which was just, you know, it's the bomb in those awesome days. Bike. Awesome bike. Still, Still awesome. one of the most beautiful When you see bikes. a Mako, there. You know, with the, with the cylinder heads, yeah, those, yeah. those All fins. The fins. Yeah, just, yeah. oh, gorgeous bike. I remember just hearing this that, that two-stroke noise, you know, and it was a calling, wasn't it? You know, and so anyway, I went up and I convinced him to give me a go. I couldn't touch the the, the foot pegs, but he sort of in the field, he just pushed me off, and I just rode around in first gear until I fell off. But and and then I I went back and I just thought, you know, I'm not going to ride horses. That you got to muck them out, yeah. you got to feed them, you got to brush them down, you got to do, you know, clean all the tack. Whereas a motorbike, you just ride it all day long and then lean it against a wall and and off you go. So. Plus, um, if you stand beside your motorcycle, it's not going to kill you. Yeah. No, well, stand no, beside a horse, a horse is, if it turns around, could do. It can kill you. I still you. love riding. You, you walk behind though. it and kick you in the face. Your motorcycle is not going to kick you in the face. Well, I have to say, <laughs> motorcycles. I've I've been closer to death on a motorcycle than I've ever been on a well, horse. So, well, someone told me once. Someone said to me once, "If you're not crashing, you're not trying." So you're a real trial. Yeah, real he's trying trial. hard. <laughs> trying hard. That didn't, that didn't quite work out. I think we it, all really. are. The context yeah. wasn't quite right. Yeah. Anyway, so no, but, but bikes, my grandfather rode a motorbike in the Second World War, but he was a messenger, but, but he, he didn't have any passion for it. It was, it was very dangerous work because the messengers, see that quite often they'd be sort of near enemy lines, behind enemy lines and uh, quite vulnerable. And the Germans used to put, Wire across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. The yeah, thin wire. Yeah, which used to decapitate the riders. And the Americans came up with this idea of raising the bars up. Yeah. And hence the ape hangers were ape created. Hangers. Oh, is they, that, they used why? to catch the wire. Wow, you know, I never knew that. Neck. So you should ride, you yeah. should be riding with ape hangers, to be fair. In oh, your, in your, with the, I was riding with ape hangers. They're, in, they're actually LA quite a few comfortable. years ago. You and I 
ended up at Orange County Choppers oh, um, no. after a long way around. And, and we went out. They were so nice. They got this table and they got this map out of the world. And they were sitting there, we're telling, we'd literally just finished going around the world. And, and they couldn't believe what we'd done. So they said, go and go and choose whatever bike you want and, and we'll go for a ride. So I got this sort of ape hanger thing. And after about 10 minutes, you know, there's no, <laughs> no, no feeling in your hands because the blood's <laughs> drained and the vibration. Like and there's no blood. And you're trying to grab the, the brake. But you... <laughs> You and he goes, oh, goes, this bike's beautiful. And I think this was one of the big builds that they'd done on, on TV. And it was quite a famous bike. Anyway, so he's just putting it back and he puts it back and he, and he dinks the back mud cart onto the wall. Oh, no. And does this little dink chip. <laughs> and he was, I mean, you know, there's nothing worse when you dink someone else's bike. Yeah. It's, just, yeah, yeah. it's just awful. You know, you're trying to fix something. Can you drop the spanner on, yeah, the, yeah. on the petrol and tank chip or something? I, I don't know what the handlebars are called, but you know the really close ones together? Rabbit ears. Rabbit ears. So they, do you know how they came about? No. No. Well, this is fascinating. And if um, you think about you splitting it. Splitting lanes, something like that? No. Just, we're not in, in North America. It's, it was it, North America where they were in, invented, actually. Hell's Angels. Splitting lanes. So Hell's Angels. Filtering. Filtering. Oh, filter, filtering, yeah. That's, filtering. You don't split lanes. Well, because here, you just kind of, there is no lanes. You just filter through but London the, But the truth of it is, well, I don't think people realize, but with your motorcycle test, if you don't, filter with confidence you can you can be failed in most other countries well a lot of other countries it's illegal to filter so like in California Canada California is fine California is fine Florida is not New York New York I don't think you can filter I don't think no I think it's illegal in New York as well crazy which is ridiculous in crazy busy cities like that you should encourage filtering it always makes me laugh whenever I was riding in LA and I'd be filtering along and, and, and there'd be all these guys on these big muscle bikes and Stuff like that, all sitting there in traffic. <laughs> Too scared. Yeah, go. And then, go. And then I got policeman pulled me over and said, "What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> oh. I said, well, "What are you doing?" And he said, "Well, I, I know what I'm doing, but I don't know what you're doing." Anyway, you're going to prison, son. But California. Yeah, and then, and then Cal- I did the very posh English accent. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, sorry. Awfully sorry. Oh, awfully, frightfully yeah, awfully. You're not allowed to lane split. <laughs> California is a good place to ride motorcycles. The police are pretty lenient there. Like I've been, I've been filtering at 120 miles an hour on a bagger. And I see this, I see this bike in the background. And you, and you wonder why trouble follows Weaving him. like this, four lanes, like through, through traffic. And then pulls up beside me. And he's just like, hey, you all right? And he gives me the thumbs up. And he's like, slow it down. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And then he just peels off. <laughs> I just kind of rolled off the throttle a little bit. I've run into tons of police in, in LA. And as long as you're not being a complete, Idiot. Idiot. Yeah. Um, a little bit of speeding here and there. So back, back to my story. Oh, yeah. There's a police connection to it because it was in, they were invented by the Hells Angels. If one of their mates got arrested and was in handcuffs, they break him oh, out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so you can, can and, and break him out and they could still bring ride. the bike. So oh, you, can you can still, still ride, ride your bike with your handcuffs, the handcuffs on, on. <laughs> because they're so close <laughs> I together. I heard that. I think I knew I probably that. told it. What I do want to talk about. Just me. Yeah. You want to talk about me now? We'll get to you in a minute. Oh, Come on. We'll get to you in a minute. It's we've, we've got loads of time. We'll get, we'll get to all of you. <laughs> if you're not watching, he's trying to take my, my mic away. Just move the mic away. <laughs> Look, it doesn't even want to... It doesn't even want to... God damn you, mother... Okay, go <laughs> okay, on. Charlie, I want to get into the health benefits of mm-hmm. riding. And in your experiences, I know you've had a couple of sort of major accidents in the last mm. eight years that have taken a, a, a lot of time and, and toll on your body and recovery. I'm sort of having been with you 
for that recovery and sort of around and seeing how you yeah. coped and sort of the tough times you've been through. Um, so, you know, you've, like I say, the bounce back ability and your drive to, considering what had happened to you on motorcycles, your drive to get back to riding and get back to riding as quickly as you possibly can it might seem odd to some people. Why do you think it is that you've been so driven to get back on two wheels? What is it about the bikes, even when they've created so much challenge? I was going to say the money, but, the money. you know, it's always about <laughs> I know the we're money. we talk about the money, but uh, money does help. I don't know. I, I think um, it's, it's funny, isn't it? If, if you, these days you, you, you have to take your driving license to take a car to be able to drive around, especially if you live outside of a city. And so you almost, like in the States, you almost have to take your driving license, but you choose to take a motorcycle license. And I think it's a, it's a choice. And I, th- I think it's a bit like people who ride horses are obsessed by riding horses and stuff. It somehow seems to be in them. I mean, my father didn't ride motorbikes. My, my grandfather did, but only because that's what he had to do. And on my mother's side, there was no, there was no motorbike. So I'm not quite sure why it appealed to me so much. But I think the more I ride motorbikes, the more I realize that there is an element of mindfulness there riding motorbikes you know when you've had a bad day at the office it's a great way to get back and forward from work because you're riding to work you're clearing your mind you get ready for work you go and do your work had a stressful day you know I spent 10 years painting and decorating and doing people's houses up trying to sort of earn a living and at the end of each day I'd get back on my bike and ride home and 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 there were no distractions no telephone there's no radio there's no sitting in traffic and so by the time you get home and, and walk in the door your mind is clear and, and you've left that day's work behind you. So that is part of it. And plus the fact it's just really good fun doing track days and, you know, doing enduro and motocross and, and, and all those kinds of things. It's just, it's an adrenaline thing. And I think, I think humans need to scare yourselves once or twice a week yeah. anyway. So I think, it's, I think it's good. And Simon Pavey always said that, who I did the Dakar rally with. And I think when I broke my legs on 2016, I broke them really badly. Um, in Portugal, um, I was launching a new, the new Tiger 1200. You, you sure launched <laughs> and, it. Well, <laughs> well, that's as I was lying there with my leg. I mean, there's a, there's a bit of bone. That was, was, still, was Miles happy Miles, Miles was there. But there's a bit of bone from my leg that is still on the sidewalk in, in Portugal somewhere. In no, Portugal no one somewhere. swept it up. I like to romantically think that some little there's stray a dog, still stray dog came along and ate uh, it. You know? So I woke up the next morning having had this massive operation. Both the legs were were done quite badly and one of them my left leg was just hanging off by the calf muscle and all the bones had come out of the skin and stuff and then I woke up and I'd broken my hand as well and 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 so I was lying there in this hospital bed with three limbs out and I was feeling pretty sorry for myself and I looked over and I realized that there was someone else in the room in the other in the other bed and you were having a wank with with a free hand hand and I was thinking you know and my free hand was a bit numb, so I felt kind of strangely, I felt slightly guilty. Yeah. But I, I, I noticed that, that this guy, and, and, and he was, he'd had a motorcycle accident, and he was in quite a bad way, much more than I was. And, and from that point on, I thought, you know what, this is actually not that bad. Then I just kind of used the motorcycles as, as a goal. I was desperate to get back on a motorbike, to get better as quickly as possible, to be able to, to ride as soon as possible. And there was never a question that I wouldn't ride again. I remember the first time I got on the moped, my wife's moped, and I was going along and I'm thinking, I'm back on, I'd kind of snuck out. And my daughter was in the house and she goes, where are you going? 
So oh, I'm just going to, Ollie said there was a flat tire, I'm just checking the tire. Anyway, I went off down the road <laughs> on this thing with this huge cage around my leg. And I'm thinking, this is fantastic. And I was flying along and all these cars and everybody were just flying past me. And I'm thinking, my God, everyone's turned into a nutter. And then I looked down at my, at my speedometer and I was doing about 10 miles an hour. <laughs> and I was thinking, this is really fast. Anyway, I had to sort of adjust with my brain. Yeah. But, but anyway, but, th- but that was it, back on the bike. And that sense of adventure, I guess that sense of freedom that bikes give and provide, did that, do you think that came from childhood, from being, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Ireland? And yeah, freedom. To- yeah, I mean, a motorcycle was, was, was freedom. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, when I was a kid, I used to go with my mate Kaz, who lived on the other side of the river. And, you know, we used to put a, a petrol tank on the back of, the, of our bikes and we'd ride into the Wicklow Mountains until the fuel ran out. And then we'd pour petrol back in the petrol tank and ride home. Where it really benefits is, when, you know, when you start doing long journeys and stuff, and, and we, we live such busy, busy lives, all of us, you know, mm-hmm. haven't got any time to do to do anything and cram it all in. And, and so when you and I, I remember when we, when we first did Long Way Around and we were riding, riding along and had day after day of, of just sitting on a bike and riding, your, your mind wanders. And that's when I would think about my sister, Talcha, who died of ovarian cancer. And because we just had a, a kid and everything was so busy and I was trying to keep afloat, I, I was struggling for work and all this kind of stuff. And, and so I never had proper time to grieve for my sister. And so when we were doing sort of long way around and, and having these long days and stuff, your mind would wander and you'd think about all sorts of things. But I, I often thought about Talcha all the time and I've always sort of had a feeling that she's sort of sitting on my shoulder and she had a very funny laugh. And so this could have cackle. And and so whenever I get myself in trouble, I can I can hear can her hear laughing at me, <laughs> and and uh, and very sweetly. The other when we did long way up, um, we came around this corner in, I think we were in Argentina somewhere, and it'd been raining really badly. And came around this corner, and there was this double rainbow. It was stunning on this yeah. lake, just incredible. And uh, Ewan came on the radio, and he goes, "Oh, he said, Charlie, look, it's it's your sister uh, looking after us," and so that was nice. Yeah, lovely. She's always, when you lose a sibling or a parent, you know, you never really, I still have her telephone number on my phone. I can't seem to, I can't seem to delete it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange that, and it's like any like friends or, or family that I've lost, I've never deleted their numbers or their texts or their yeah. messages or, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think, I don't think I could do it. You know no, what I mean? I can't. I, I just. Though, um, you, you know, our friend, um, uh, Neil McNichol, who yeah. was one of the Lovely guys who deal. invested money into the bike shed? And Wonderful some, human being. He, one of one of the jackets at the bike shed is named after him. It's called it's the, called a yeah, McNichol. Yeah, the gold top. He used to come. McNichols. He used to hang out with us in Marbella. Yeah, a bit. yeah. He was, he's, he's, he's such a, such a nice dude. man. Such and and, and he dude. would always when we go when I go skiing with him when I used to before my knees all got messed up. You come down the slope and he was a fantastic skier and you get to the bottom of the ski and you go, such oh, a handsome bastard, good Charlie was. boy. He said you just. Fantastic. Fantastic, fantastic skiing. And I go, oh, thank you very much. And then you go, <clears throat> <laughs> and I would look at him, he'd go, <clears throat> and he'd be pointing at himself. And I go, oh, Neil, you were amazing. He goes, I was, wasn't I? I was absolutely. <laughs> and he was just the funniest guy. But I, I still have his number and text messages. Mm. I think in the world we live in today, it's, it's so busy, it's really hectic. You know, life moves on so fast and at a pace. And, and it's, can be difficult to find time. that time and space yeah. to to process things that have happened to you, whether that, that's grief, 
or or illness or you know your mental health or stress at work or stress at home you know it, mm. it's very hard to to manage that these days but being able to get on those two wheels and the wonderful you know say f- the freedom of two wheels to escape and, and go anywhere no, you know I you think... can you can leave your front door and and you can ride around the world if you yeah. wanted to you mm. just keep going and never stop but it gives you that that alone that... time and the space to really start to to unpick this stuff and mm. not only that like you know w- when you're riding along you, you do have that time to reflect and you're kind of in your own headspace but also if if you're Say when I lived in Marbella, I used to. If I had a really bad day, more more or less every day, I'd do it. Not every day was a bad day, but every day I'd do this after work. I'd ride from because my my you you guys both know Marbella, Malaga. Yeah. Um, the the Ronda Road is quite a famous road, and my shop was right at the bottom of the Ronda Road. So I'd, I'd lock up the shop, and I'd ride quite spiritedly up to the, <laughs> about there's about about forty miles up. There's a, there's a little coffee shop, a venta, and you'd have a have a uh, non-alcoholic beer, and then ride back down. You know, sometimes when you're when you're riding along and you're just having a kind of a poodle, you can you can actually think. But it's also good, I think, when you're on a bike, if you're riding spiritedly, you know, you 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 can only focus on what you're doing, it's, the it's, task at it's hand, pure because mindfulness, being you, you present I mean? in the moment, and yeah. and that that used to help me get rid of my stress. If I ride yeah. fast and ride overtaking cars and, and on, especially on Ronda road, it's quite, you know, every corner is a blind corner. So yeah. you don't know what's around it. And, and it used to, you used to get up there and literally 25 minutes up and about 25 minutes down. And I'd come home and I'd go home and I'd literally be shagged. Like I've done, you know, 30 laps at a track just by riding, you know, spiritedly and just coming down and just getting rid of all that stress in your head. It's just, yeah. it's a great way to I've kind done, of... I've understood the same, commuting into London for years and years, yeah, no, uh, into central London, just during rush yeah, hour. you can't be thinking you know, of other stuff while you're driving around nothing else going on other than pure survival yeah. and, and, and focused on what's happening around you, being in that moment and fully present. Yeah, yeah. And that that's a really great tool, both to decompress and you know, clear everything out, like you said, on the commute home is wonderful. But it also means that you're kind of learning these skills, these important skills that you can apply through the whole of your life, aren't mm. they? You know, that that time to stop and reflect, have that time out, but also the importance of just being, you know, conscious of what's going on around you, the people around you, what they're saying, what how they're acting, their movements, you know, the anticipation of, of danger. These are all, if you take your time and actually unpick it from a biking point of view, mm. these are all really important skills to, you know, to be there for, for other people and, and pick up on these on things changes that most people don't, don't pick up on. The, remember the first time we went out for a ride, the first proper ride after no. you got you got back on two wheels. Oh, um, yeah, going down to Roy's place. Yeah, by the time... Yeah, yeah, well, it, it wasn't even that. I, I was struggling to keep up with you to get out onto the A3 out of Barnes because you'd just taken off like a scolded cat. Like your first time back on two wheels properly and you're just oh, yeah. gone. I was like, oh, yeah. well, you're well, not slowed down at all you then. And then. Then you nearly got wiped out again oh, yeah, down no, in the Surrey was, Hills. That was and, uh, anyway. But, um, <laughs> you yeah. didn't and it was fine. We didn't and it was fine. But uh, next question. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I, I do, I, I, our ride, what was it, two weeks ago, last weekend? Oh, down to the Motorcycle yeah. News um, live London show. Yeah, I quite, I quite enjoyed that. I haven't ridden with a, with a group of mates for I can't remember the last time. Mm-hmm. I think last time I was in Spain, we you know we weren't speeding 
or any, do anything crazy. But it, we, we made we, progress through we, London. Exactly. But Friday it was, it was you yeah. London. You can't ride fast. No, you can't. In, no, exactly. You but can't ride fast it, almost anywhere. But it in the world feels anymore. it feels yeah. like you're riding fast in London because you, you everyone else is stopped still in cars and you're <laughs> actually moving. So as my mother always said, my mother always said, as long as you can remember that everybody else on the road's an asshole, then you'll be fine. I've always ridden a motorcycle like that, no matter, even if I'm going down the motorway. And I've just kind of, I've done that with everything I do. I'm like, like when, when I'm using a machine or something, I picture like my hand going into the bandsaw or, yeah. or into the lathe. Yeah. And I just have these vivid imaginations of all the worst possible scenarios. And I think that kind of keeps me safe. I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but the things I look at when I'm riding a bike is, you know, you look in at the wing mirrors of cars, you're looking at the rear view mirrors. You're trying. You're looking at the drivers of the car. You're not looking at the cars. You're looking at the drivers because they yeah, will sure. give telltale signs with their movement and stuff like that. of what they're yeah. doing. Mm. You know, see if they're on a phone or if they glancing, starting to glance. You can feel when you can see people's body language in cars when they're about to do something. So you can read that rather see, than just waiting for a car to move. Funny you say that because I never used to look at the driver in the car, and I and I only started doing that. Um, you know, um, Jessie Combs, who Jessie Combs was, mm. she's good. Last time I rode with her, we were in, in Los, Los Angeles. This was a year before she died. And um, I was riding with her and she always knew where the hell I was. And, and I was like, how? Because I was like behind her and I, and I figured like she, she was looking, she didn't look behind her. And I asked her, I'm like, how the hell did you know where I was going to be? She like, because I, I was looking at your eyes in my mirror. And and. We, you know, you, your eyes would go left, so I knew you were going to go left. Now when I'm riding, I'm always looking in people's wing mirrors and trying yeah, to get, wing trying, mirrors. trying then, to look at people's know, faces. Looking through the cars. Looking through looking cars. Through the cars and, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you can see, if you're looking at, through the back of a car, you can you can see if a person is looking left or right. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. see that they're about to, to do, do something. something. Yeah. Mind you, none of that helped me in Portugal. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's dangerous difficult well. to, and it can be very difficult to, um, once you've had a, a big trauma, in, in your life, it can be very difficult to move forward. I think I was very lucky. I kind of saw that that was a crash and that there's nothing I could do about it. It was just, you can't, the what ifs and buts and maybes and could have, should have, yeah. you know, that doesn't help because you're just lying in hospital anyway. But, you know, some people do allow a trauma to, you get stuck there or let that yeah. trauma define you. And, and, and that doesn't have to be physical trauma. No, it doesn't have to be physical trauma. It can be any trauma. And, and that's where you got to really realize that, that, you know, these traumas, that this is something that's happened. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't change it. Yeah. So just leave it where it was and, and move on. Well, it's if funny, you can. I had, I had a, a, a little off um, about eight months ago. At the time I thought it was just a sprain, but it turned out to be quite serious. I shattered my knuckle. Uh, well, August 11th, I did that. You know, I only started work about a month ago. I could actually oh, no, work it'll, with it'll my be hand. with you. It'll be with um, you for the rest of your life. And it's still, and like, but what, because I had, I had the first surgery. And after that, I was like, I was a bit down on myself. I'm like, you know, this, this is going to affect a lot of things. You don't, you don't realize at the time, shit, now I can't work. Now I can't do this. And I yeah. use, you know, I use my hands for a lot of things. I would have rather broke my leg or my neck or something. You I know what I mean? The neck and the neck. But, um, no. But then, you know, you kind of go through it and you're just thinking, okay, it wasn't even a bad, you know, incident. You know, this is a silly, I was only going about yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah, tried two broken legs, you know. Yeah, well, exactly. I, 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 could, I couldn't imagine that. And I'm just thinking, because I've never really injured myself um, on, on a bike. But, you know, these, for my injuries these days, I still go to bed now. You know, this is from 2016. Pain, yeah. hmm. and, and the last thing I think about 
when I go to sleep is my ankle. Yeah. And the first thing I wake up is think about my ankle. And, and it's, it's, it's horrible. The great thing about both of you, you know, through those periods where, where you've been struggling is, is you've spoken about it and you've spoken about how you're feeling and the fact that you're down and you're struggling. You know, you were, and, and we spoke a number of times, you were really... I was, I was definitely depressed yeah. because, you know, I, I thought, shit, I, you know, I've, I can't earn any money. I can't work. I can't, I can't ride a motorcycle. Because what you know, all the things that make you happy. The, the yeah. main two things I do in life is work and ride motorcycles. You know what I mean? And 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 I, yeah. those are the two things I can't do right now. And it's just a silly like everything else works. It's not like you know what I mean. It's just mm. I I can't use that hand. And I spoke to my dad. And my dad's like, you know, maybe it's time to stop uh, stop riding bikes. I'm like, <laughs> that's what everyone told me. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like, that's that's never gonna happen. That yeah. that thought never did go through my head until you know after that, and that just kind of resonated with him. I'm like. Okay, well, maybe I'm never going to give up riding bikes, but maybe I'll stop trying to race motorcycles. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a bit old. I'm like, and then it kind of comes back, and that all goes out the window. You're like, forget mm. that. When, when are we signing up for the next race? You know? Yeah, I think I think I've definitely changed slightly my my riding now. You get a bit um, more cautious, and you kind of a little bit more cautious now. And don't give me like that. <laughs> I have to say that. I promised my wife I, I, that I would take it more, more seriously. Okay, I was going to either the sponsors or your wife. I don't know who you're talking to right now. Anyway, no, but, but, but you know, I think on, on the whole, I think, um, I think we can all agree that there's lots of people who have their whole working life and they finish work and all they've done is work and they've never had any like hobbies, hobbies or activities or, 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 or passion. You know, the ones who are really happy are the people who, who you know, ride motorcycles, who ride horses, who, who have you know, a passion, go out yeah, and play I mean, golf, who you know, ride bicycles. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what it is, and and what you're doing with 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 golfing or or biking or or whatever it is, you're you're interacting with other people and you're sharing that passion, and it's lovely. And to be able to to carry on riding motorcycles, you know, I've got a friend who he he rode into his. He came to Africa on one of my motorcycle tours, and he was 82 years old, mm. and he rode most of the Africa tour with us. And, and he was an amazing guy. He built all those Triumph engines, engines for Matchless. You know, that was, that's what, he's yeah, the guy who built yeah. all those beautiful engines. And, and so, you know, and how lovely is that to be able to have that passion? Um, yeah. If anybody wants to, wants to get a, a feeling for why people ride motorcycles and what people do, you know, that, that classic movie on any Sunday is a really good example because it's, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're making a movie just about what people get up to on a motorbike on the weekend. And, yeah. But the other one that people should look at as well is Closer to the Edge, which is the Alaban TT. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's been fascinating as ever just to speak with you guys and get your thoughts on things. Um, I'm really excited for the rest of this series as we start to bring guests in and dive deeper into some of these themes that we've touched on today around what motorcycles do, the power they hold, the passion that they ignite the friendships that they create and the, the opportunities they, they the trouble they get you in live life. and I'm sure we will dive in a little bit more into the trouble that they get you into and, and maybe out of as well yeah. now we'll be back with the next episode we have a, a very exciting guest joining us for that who will be revealed in episode 2 so uh, do stay tuned thank you for listening to The Nod a mindful motorcycle podcast I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Do make sure you subscribe to get your alerts when the next show is released. 
head over to our webpage, motorcyclenews.com forward slash the nod, where all the links to previous episodes can be found. Don't forget to buy your nod coffee to drink whilst listening to the next episode. We'll be back next week with another guest from the wide world of motorcycling subculture. Join us next time, and until then, stay safe, be kind, and check in with a mate.